Florida State will make the playoff if it can answer these questions in 2023. All that and more on today's edition of Locked On Seminoles. Drake, let's do it. Let's ride, Dave. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and in the stream yard today, we got Dave. As always, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Now, Dave, questions. Hopefully, we have the answer for today. FSU is primed to go to the CIP this season if they follow a certain rule, not rules, but if they follow a certain trajectory, if they get consistent, where do you want to start off with first with the burning questions that should help this team go, return to the promised land? Well, I guess, I guess that brings us back to last year and what was, what were the biggest issues last year? Or what were the biggest issues created by the voids that are not going to be here this year? Like for example, I think some people would say, well, is Treshawn Warb not being here going to affect the running game? Like, was he more important to Florida State's offensive offensive success than, you know, where we realize or are willing to admit? Um, there there was a lot Florida State needed to clean up last year. We We lost three games. So there's plenty of places I think we could go with this. But I, I think for me... One of the let's let's do it this way. Uh, I'll I'll give you one. You give me one. My my first big one is going to be on the offensive line. The offensive line has been better than it was years ago, and it, I think it's probably either gotten gradually better or stayed about the same the last couple of years. Probably a little better each year, but better isn't necessarily good enough to you know, put you on the stage with Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama. And that's going, it, it's going to have to get better than good. And we've talked about that term better than good. I don't even really know what that means. What I do know is that we can't have run blocking grades in the 60s. We can't have pass blocking grades uh, very wildly from game to game. So I don't know. I don't know if it's possible for this to be an elite offensive line, but I do think it's possible for it to be great. And I think great is necessary if we're going to make the college football playoff. I must say, I do think great offensive line play is something that this team does have to keep improving towards. And I think that actually they will get there. I do have all the faith in the world in coach Alex Atkins because he actually has come from the offensive line in 2020 was just that. It was offensive to football. I mean, they couldn't block, they couldn't pass block, they couldn't run block, they couldn't do anything. Then for 2021, you did see like a step forward that they were they weren't great, but they were serviceable. I think that was the word that we used all all season in 2021. And then 2021, let me start in 2022, they were decent. They were a decent offensive line, and at times actually played well. So I think the next step forward, they actually are going to have to get towards that above average to great kind of offensive line play to at least keep the team kind of, you know, more against bigger opponents like, like a Clemson 
or even against a defensive line, lagging back in play like LSU to kind of, you know, I guess improve for the next step. Yeah, and they're going to be tested this year, which is which is why it needs to happen. Like, like they're going to get baptized by fire, like you're saying, right, right on early in the season. LSU's defensive line is very good. You're going to face several very good defensive lines, including Clemson. Um, I'm sure Miami and Florida are going to give you some fits with their defensive lines. Um, th- there's going to be it's it's going to be an issue if the offensive line isn't great this year. That lends itself to losing a game. And we can probably afford to lose one and still make the playoff this year. But I, I don't know about you, Drake. I would love to be able to know, have the comfort of knowing that <laughs> uh, another a loss or another loss isn't like right around the corner and going to ruin the season. But there's something exciting about that because, you know, the last few years, a loss is like, eh, whatever. Um, that sucks, but doesn't really affect anything. Like last year we lost three games and still won 10. So pretty great. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see who steps up in the biggest way, because I, it, you would think it would be somebody to me, like a Julian Armella who has so much talent, um, but remains to be seen. Drake, I think it's possible. I bet, yeah, but I think though a kid like Julian Armel, I think he's still kind of year removed rookie, I guess, commit, uh, playing a majority of the time there, unless you know he beats someone out. But I mean, this is why you saw kind of the way we attacked the transfer portal, where you bring in a Keandre Jones from Auburn, who was an All SEC freshman. Why you bring in Jeremiah Byers, who was a top, who was basically one, I think, one of the top tackles actually in the portal, actually came from from UTEP, and also you brought in Casey Rock as well, and those are players that are able to assist a player, players kind of like Robert Scott, Mo Smith, you know the. The, the absences of now, Dylan Gibbons, who has not, has not gone for for, um, uh, for graduation. So to me, overall, like I do think this offensive line has the talent there to be very, very damn good. I think more this team needs to be very, because to me, great and elite are kind of like interchangeable. I think just very good. I think it's going to the benchmark you're going to see for this upcoming season, because also the running back play and the QB play, which we'll touch on like in a later today, are already elite in their own right. So I think with very good, you're able to actually kind of supplement to as overall. But great and elite. That would be great, too, to have. I'm not saying we don't. We can't do that. I'm not <laughs> limiting us to just very good. But I do think very good is kind of the benchmark that we're going to see this season. I think it's actually very good will be kind of the minimum that we need to see, but also be enough for us to um, uh, hit, hit the goal we want to hit. Yeah, dude, you just gave me my favorite new saying, Drake. Great is great. And that is the truth. It sucks that we're having to replace our best player on the offensive line. It's funny. I keep forgetting about that. But yeah, Dylan Gibbons is not here anymore. That is super unfortunate. But good thing is Jeremiah Byers is one of the best offensive, was one of the best offensive linemen overall in the country, both run blocking and pass blocking last year. We've brought in a lot of help pass blocking along that line. And you know what, Drake? That's great. And great is great. Tell me something and tell the audience something else great. God, I love when you do the segue, folks. Dave is talking about today's title sponsor, and as our friends over at FanDuel, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a new get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's right, folks, up to one thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and even threes drain. 
boys. Take Miami Heat. Take it all. Take it all. We're going to win it all this year. No, we're not. But I'm just telling myself and lying to myself because basically he's about to crush my heart in about a month. But listen, so don't miss a chance to go to you get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, folks, we are back. We are rocking and rolling here at Locked On Symbols, your first and every single daily news source for all of your latest Florida State Symbols sports action. And, folks, thank you guys so much for all the love and support. As always, don't forget to like this video, subscribe, hit the notification, and also five-star reviews in the Owl Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or we get your podcast from. Now, Dave, we talked offensive line. So I think, I'm gonna, I think it's only appropriate if I go to the other side of the ball. And it's something that basically – I feel like me and Adam Fuller have mended our relationship over the past three seasons, don't. you don't think so? I don't feel like you have. Uh, you don't feel like we have? Oh, well, at least we're trying. We're trying to, you know, get see. We're trying to see eye to eye. He has improved since he's gotten here, right? And that also is probably no fault of his own. The talent, you know, level that we had under in year one is vastly different now heading into year four. And you see, you have seen the defense kind of improve each and every single year. But the one thing that I want to see, and one key that I need to see for this season, is that. We need this defense to be consistent, and we need this defense to, from start to finish, basically be playing a, a complete game. I don't think we've seen that from a lot from Adam Fuller and from a defense until like the last four games of the season. You saw certain games like when they played offenses that were in the top twenty-five or even the top thirty, like a like a like a, like a Florida, like an NC State, like Clemson. They weren't in the top thirty, but it was also talent-wise they should they kind of should be in there with the Will Shipley and DJU last year. So to me, I need to see this defense don't not be the bend and break defense, which I know is a very popular word among Twitter, a very popular word, you know, actually out there for FSU media. But it's kind of true in a sense. Right. So to me, I need to see consistency from top to bottom. That means defensive backs. I don't I don't want to see them, you know, kind of, you know, being very easy to basically, you know, biting on every, you know, pump fake or biting on every move by receiver makes. I need to see the defensive line depth kind of, you know, shine out. And that's why, why we brought in. A Daryl Jackson and Braden Fisk, and also Fabian Love is coming back. And linebacking play, I think, just needs to still, still be consistent and also stay fully healthy. So, to me, overall, I want to see this defense be consistent and go from bend and break to maybe simply just bend, just bend. You, you, you just, just stick with the bend part if you can. Yeah, that's it's funny. I hadn't looked at PFF's like game by game grades overall for the team. And when you say it like that, like more consistent. The thing that the thing that makes that most obvious is go look at the coverage grades by game. Game one, Duquesne, 73.8. Okay, good. Game two, LSU, 58.7. Not good. That's not going to win you any games. Uh, it's a miracle we won that game with that coverage grade. Um, good thing we caught him when we did, right? Louisville, 73. All right, back to being good again. That, that's a good grade. Next. Boston College, 66. Wake, 50.5. NC State, 62. Clemson, 57. Georgia Tech, 60. Then we get three grades in the 80s before 60 and 50. It's all over the place, guys. Um, that Those kind of coverage grades with the talent we have in that defensive backfield, which we say all the time on here, that's the most talented position group on the team. That's probably still the case next year. It's really easy to pull blue-chip defensive backs when, you know, you're recruiting hotbed is in the state of Florida. And we've continued to do that, even when we haven't been playing very good. 
Um, I want wasn't the last five star um left on the team a couple years ago? Wasn't it Akeem Dent? I believe I think, so. Yeah, that was the last five star left on the team. So well, not old now. We got one more coming. We got one just got right. in. And that's Akeem Williams. Right, but but for for a minute that was it for five star talent on this team. But the defensive back field has always been. And we like to call ourselves DBU. So yeah, that's that is personally important to me that at least that position group steps up. But I think that's probably the most important for consistency purposes. Um, you have talent there. I mean, you lose Jamie Robinson, which is really going to suck because I think he was the captain of your defense. But I think I think Akeem Dead is poised to have a really good year this year. Um, I think your cornerback play is going to be uh, probably better than it's been in a long time with Fentrell Cypress coming in, even if you don't know who's going to be stepping up on the other side. You know, there's there's now numerous guys competing for one spot that were going to be competing for two spots. That's always a great problem to have. And I, I think for consistency, the last part of that for me is when JB and Lovett's not in the game, which is going to happen, even if he does never gets injured, which knock on the wood, knock on wood, let's hope that that's what happens. If he's not in the game, we can't look hapless, which is exactly what happened last year when, when Fabian Lovett was out. Even, even for a few plays, the times he wasn't on the field, it looked like the defense didn't know what they were doing. That can't happen. You clean that up, you get the defensive backs to play up to their talent level, even if they're not exceeding it, and you're talking consistency. No, I mean, I completely agree with that. And with the, with Jamie Robinson kind of leaving, that's kind of where you hope you see someone step up. And I do think Shaheem Brown's going to be the player that kind of steps up in that role alongside Akeem Dent. And that's, I mean, that kid's a very talented player. I mean, he's the one we, we kind of knew, we kind of found out who he was when he did block the kick actually against LSU. But then you saw that he, in his own right, is a very good defensive back with Akeem Dent by his side. Akeem Dent, I think if he stays fully healthy for a full season and his money year, he's a kid that definitely can be playing on time because the sun is because talent is all there. And then defensive line play, I mean, you're right. With Fabian, when Fabian Lovett was out, you could definitely see the dynamic kind of shift with the interior. We weren't getting any penetration or getting any push. And to me, that kind of is rectified with a Daryl Jackson coming in to spell him out, as well as Brayden Fisk. Brayden Fisk was a great player over at Western Michigan. Daryl Jackson was a great player also at Miami, even though I don't know why Keith Steele, sorry, Kevin Steele, asked him to cover a running back on a wheel route. But maybe also that's why Kevin Steele you know, is no longer there. But to me, you look at the defensively overall, we just need to see consistency from top to bottom. And also just to me, it's because it, it, like you, you you can't fully, fully blame Adam Fuller for a lot of the play calling. Because I know some of it is the limitations by the players that he has. But also you can't be using that as an excuse in your four when developmentally, these are the players that you're developing. Um, and to me, that's something that kind of you see overall with Adam Fuller. It's like, hey. I get that you're limited in your scheme fits and your run your scheme fits and your scheme because of the players that you have, but it's also your job to get these kids, which is also why you know you've seen them basically be very active. You know, in the transfer portal. He's a big reason why we've landed a lot of these players like a Central Cypress, and you see a change at defensive backs coach with Patrick Sertain coming in to replace Marcus Woodson after he's left. So uh, that's also going to be what it is too. That maybe developmentally wise, that if these kids are able to develop better over the course of the offseason into 2023, maybe we'll see they can say, oh. The playbook is fully open. Actually, we can really see Adam Fuller cook. Yeah, you know, that sounds great to me. Drake, great is great. Consistency is key. You're full of three word phrases today. Tell me something else that is king. Tell our audience, please. 
All that is our sponsors, and then we'll look at, they'll uh, have a word with y'all in just a few short moments, and then we'll end today's show, hand them off to Dave as is tradition. All right, Dave. We have reached the end of today's show. As I said before, as is tradition, I'm going to hand the ball off to you. How do you want to land this thing? There's there's only one way to end this discussion uh, with the question. With the, There's one burning question. And I think a lot of people will probably, there's going to be some people who get pissed this question is even being asked right now. But I do think it's a fair question that you have to ask. Is Jordan Travis capable of being one of the five best quarterbacks in the country in 2023. I, a lot of people, he, a lot of people in our fan base, especially think that the only reason Jimbo Fisher won a national championship was because Jameis Winston was his quarterback at Florida state. And that the reason he's been so crappy ever since then is that he can't get another Jameis Winston. That, that seems to be one of the prevailing schools of thought. I mean, uh, that team was the, fr- the, further, further, the further away we get away from that too. It's kind of like, it seems it could be true. It could be right. Man's <laughs> offense is archaic and it's ancient, and he won't improve it or anything. I'm going to hire Bobby Petrino. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. All of all of that. But I mean, that team was. Go look at the depth chart on that team. Like, I don't know that we'd have any players that would even. I don't know that we would have any players that would start on that 2013 team. I really don't. Um. But I'm. Let me digress. Jordan Travis. Is, I'm not saying is he Jameis Winston. I'm not saying is he capable of being Jameis Winston. There's a lot of quarter, good quarterbacks from college football entering this NFL draft. Um, Jordan Travis is widely being hyped as one of the best returning quarterbacks for 2023. Um, I think I'm over that period of time where I'm watching to see when will this fairy tale, you know, kind of not unravel, but like when will you see some like chips in the facade of this fairy tale that Jordan Travis has just risen to such meteoric, you know, success and fame in college football for us, even while the team around him was not great. So Drake is Jordan Travis capable of being one of the few best quarterbacks in college football next year. I mean, you also got to ask yourself like who's out there that you kind of would put ahead of him. Right. And I don't think there really is many, if not even, I don't think there's even if we're being honest too. Uh, my personal opinion, I do think that Caleb Williams is a better QB than him. I think Caleb Williams is probably going to be a number one pick actually for next season in 2024. But then who else are you going to put ahead of him, though, after that? It's not Tyler Van Dyke. You saw kind of basically the past few seasons how Tyler Van Dyke, he got injured. And then Jordan Travis, for the first time in his career, he stayed fully healthy. And you saw what a fully healthy and not not limited Jordan Travis actually was able to shine through. Then also you have Max Johnson, Texas A&M. I don't think he's better than him. Sam Hartman, I think JT's better than him. They haven't won. They haven't won a head-to-head matches, but I can tell you right now, the loss last year against Wake Forest was not on Jordan Travis. That entire time, he was running for his damn life because the offensive line couldn't block Rondo Bothroyd. And then also you look, who else are you gonna? Who else are you gonna look at? Bo Nix? No, I think Jordan Travis is a better quarterback than Bo Nix. Bo Nix played immensely well last season. He definitely, you know, has resurrected his career at Oregon. But let's see how he does this next year without Kane Dillingham kind of backing him up. And then you have KJ Jefferson over at Arkansas. I mean, quite frankly, I think the only QB out there better than JT right now is Caleb Williams. So I don't think the question is that, is he a top five quarterback? I think the question you have to ask him is, is he able to supplant Caleb Williams for the number one spot? And I think the answer is, it could be a yes, because USC, we saw last year, their defense is utterly atrocious. And they're also super dependent on turnovers, which I'm, I'm of the belief that turnovers... If it's an interception, it's not as much luck-based as more it's like you being in the right position and executing actually probably when the opportunity strikes. But to me, 
I would take JT over. I wouldn't take JT over Caleb right now, but I think the question is like, can do you think Caleb? I'm sorry, can you think JT could supplant Caleb for that number one spot? And I think with the season that we might have, we have a lot better chance actually making the CFP than they do. And if we do, I think that might answer the question for you. Yeah, that's wow. I I think that's probably another show idea going over like the list of like the. I think we did this last season going over the list of the ACC quarterbacks and saying, you know, would you rather? And I think I only picked like one or two above Jordan Travis last year. Oh, yeah. I picked like, I thought I think it'd be like five or six. <laughs> That's for, exactly. So I think that might be a tougher exercise. I mean, that will be a tougher exercise if we were to do that for this year. I don't think there's anybody in the ACC that's obvious. Like, I don't even think Miami has a quarterback. Um, but, Anyways, no, it's, yeah. still, it's, it's still TVD. He's still there. They got uh, they got the homie from um, Houston uh, to be the new offensive play call. They, they just hired him yesterday. That's going to be very fun to watch. Good for, good for them. Good for you, little fellas over there. Um, but if Jordan Travis, I mean, would you agree with this sentence? If Jordan Travis is not one of the five best quarterbacks next year, Florida State can't win the championship. Say that one more time. If Jordan Travis is not one of the five best quarterbacks in college football next year. Florida State cannot win a national championship. Um, cannot win a national championship. I might agree with that statement. I, if, he's, if he's not one of the top five, I think he still make the CFP if he's not one of the top five because I don't think J.J. McCarthy was a top five quarterback last year and he made the CFP. So, yeah, that's kind of my answer. Take Jordan Travis off the team in 2022. And Tate Rodemaker starting every game. You mean 2023? 2022. What's your record? Last season? Okay. Um, maybe seven and five. Because okay. I, I, I really, really do think that you kind of saw like, and then we'll probably talk about this, you know, I, I'm more at length for a future episode, but I do think kind of saw like the, the Louisville game. The young man grew before our eyes. And it was kind of a nice thing to see kind of when he was throwing, throwing into the fire there. So I do think Tate actually has a better acclimation with the playbook too. So we'll see. The answer is no, Florida State cannot win a championship if Jordan Travis isn't one of the best five. The answer is probably six and six if Jordan Travis isn't starting in 2022. I think Jordan Travis developed into one of the best quarterbacks in the country right before our eyes. People kept waiting for him to fail. People kept people in the fan base kept holding their breath. It never happened. He kept getting better. If he can keep doing that in 2023, He's going to mask some of the deficiencies that still exist. For example, along the offensive line, consistency in the defense. Those are the problems for this team that Jordan Travis has put a Band-Aid on. And then some, if we can count on him to do that again next year, this team has a viable path to the playoff. Not completely agree with that. And Dave, it's been a great day. It's been a great time. Yes. It's been awesome hanging out with you, hanging out with the listeners, and also for them for making us their first listen each and every single day. But as always, please send us home. Yes. Thank you very much, everybody, for stopping by and for listening to us. We love you. We appreciate you. We could not do this without you. So thank you for our podcast. Find us anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, other places. I don't know their names. Maybe you do. We're probably there. For the YouTube, give this video a like if you would, please. Takes five seconds. We really appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel, ding the little bell, turn your notifications on. You'll find out when our content drops. And as always, lastly, comment, please. What is your biggest question that has to be answered in 2023 for Florida State to make the playoff? As always, that was Dave. And this is Drake. And we'll see y'all next time on Lock on Central. Take care, everybody.
どうの。